there's some opportunity in that. And that's one thing I think is a quality of an entrepreneur is that they understand that within any obstacle, if they can stick with it and keep their mindset positive, they will find something in that obstacle that will be useful in the future. Ballast Office in Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome to The Ballast Life, a series of conversations highlighting respected professionals, community leaders, and important topics that are necessary to achieving financial cohesion. Hello, this is John Borbin, founder and CEO of Ballast, and I am thrilled today to be joined um, with a very special guest, Adrian Duffy. Uh, Adrian is actually a uh, the founder of a company called Big Futures, uh, based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, um, who she actually works with a lot of uh, different industries and different businesses. Um, and, but she is also, uh, and how I know her, a, a coach with Strategic Coach, which is a program I've been involved with for um, just about a decade. So Adrian, I'm thrilled to have you on the, our podcast today. Oh, it's great to be here, John. Well, I, you know, in this uncertain environment that we've sort of dropped into so suddenly about a month ago. Uh, I find myself sort of looking back to uh, our conversations and workshops over the years and, and thinking about the messaging. And I've had so many conversations with entrepreneurs uh, and other uh, individuals uh, over the last month. And, you know, there's a lot of anxiety in the air. And I just thought, what a wonderful opportunity to have you on and share some of your wisdom You've been a, a member of Coach for so long, both as a student and as, and as a teacher, but also in your non-coach life where you run your business, I thought you could provide some wonderful insights for us today. So before we sort of jump into some of that material, could you give everyone a little bit, of, uh, a little bit about your background and um, uh, big future specifically? Uh, yes, I, um, a little bit about my background. I uh, started out as a professional musician. You and I have had this conversation before. And uh, um, as I was traveling forward in that particular career, I found that I had a real passion for working with people and helping them realize their potential. And so it evolved into serving private businesses, serving uh, individuals and families, but the name Big Futures, which is the name of my company, was very carefully chosen because it's all about helping individuals, families, organizations realize their fullest potential, their biggest futures. And I'm very passionate about that. So I feel very blessed that I get to do this work in various different places with my business. Our client base is very diverse. Uh, it ranges everything from professional practices like law or engineering, architectural to construction to uh, large automotive uh, businesses, medical, grocery, it's across the board. So I've had a lot of experiences with companies large and small, but also one of my passions is to work with young people uh, and also families. And so it's very, very diverse. Very good. And Strategic Coach. So uh, how long have you been involved with Strategic Coach? And what was it that, that drew you to, to, to Dan Sullivan and Strategic Coach at the beginning? Well, I will tell you the story a little bit, John. I don't think we've ever had this conversation before, but I personally grew up in an entrepreneurial family. And I think there's a certain DNA that certain people have where uh, you know your path will probably lead you to be an entrepreneur. And so I was a young entrepreneur. Uh, 
I had moved already into the work that I do today uh, out of music. And I met a, a man named Dan Sullivan, and this was, believe it or not, 30 years ago when he was first starting out with Strategic Coach. And he put out this messaging in the day that you could double your free time and double your revenue, which was uh, a message that I you know, was very engaged with when I heard about it and went to hear him speak and decided to sign up uh, and started the workshops. It's an amazing community of entrepreneurs, and Dan Sullivan is a brilliant, brilliant um, pathfinder for us as entrepreneurs, both personally and professionally. And he's created a wonderful opportunity for entrepreneurs to connect in a community of entrepreneurship, but also in order to be part of the community, you, are, you have to have an established business. And so it's a place where the best can get better. And there's a lot of places where you can go to learn about entrepreneurship or learn about business to get going, but there's not a lot of places out there where the best can get better and better and better in a community of other growth-minded entrepreneurs that are also striving to do the same thing. So 30 years ago, I joined as a client and three years later, it was experiencing explosive growth. I was living in Canada, but I am uh, born and raised in Chicago, a dual citizen now. And they needed someone else to be able to take over some of the work. And at that point in time, um, Dan Sullivan invited me to become a coach, a strategic coach. That's 25 years now. <laughs> so I, I don't even remember my life before a strategic coach. But what I will say is that the mindsets, the entrepreneurial attitudes and the community that you are a part of are very integral to how we now look at our lives. And I can't even remember. I don't even know who I would be before. Uh, before, but it's been very important. Yeah, wonderful. I've found myself um, in these, in this sort of uncertain environment, sort of, you know, regurgitating, I should say, some of the messages that I, that I get at Strategic Coach to my own group that, that I work with at Ballast and um, just wonderful messaging. And as I mentioned to you before we, we started the conversation, I think there's a tendency in moments like this where there's a lot of anxiety in the air for people to lose perspective and lose sort of their long-term view uh, on a lot of things. And, and there's some appropriateness to that, right? I mean, we are facing a health crisis like we have never faced um, in, in our lifetime. And because of that, I think people have a tendency to not uh, uh, stay focused on sort of the, the things that, that, that were important to them before. And so one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, you know, in speaking with the companies that you're dealing with and thinking about strategic coach, which I know, you know, your, your life I've always found is so fascinating because in your, in your business life and your coaching life and in your in life in general, just sort of all intersect, you know, what is some of the messaging that you are, um, uh, find yourself repeating and, and trying to, to give to some of the businesses and industries that you're working with right now? Because, so no one's really immune in this in this environment. It, it truly is a um, it truly is a unique thing we're all facing. Part of your question takes me back to something that we were doing pre-COVID and will probably be important post-COVID, but it's equally as important as we're in this right now. And that is that um, from a growth perspective, there are actually two kinds of growth. 
one of the ones that we really appreciate in North America because it's something that's very visible is what I would call outer growth. It's our goals, it's our aspirations, it's the things that we dream of accomplishing and the big goals that we do seize and capture and live into. One of the things that I've learned in helping organizations scale and grow in our big business, big futures, is that if we want to sustain growth, there's another kind of growth that's inner growth. And that is on a business level, what's the culture of our business? How are people working together? How are they connecting? What are the relationships like? But also as a leader, how are we really approaching our own growth, our inner growth? And what I'm finding right now is that depending on the business, depending on where the focus is, some of my clients are, for example, my grocery clients (laughs) are having expansive growth, but they're dealing with certain kinds of complexity with that. And so we're working with the leaders in those businesses to keep themselves grounded, keep themselves focused. You know, other businesses, a high asset business, let's say that those assets aren't being sold right now, like an automotive business, um, are really needing to focus on the inside, focusing on, you know, the culture of the business, what they're doing, are there cleanups that they can do, are there new innovations that they can put into place, what are they doing to strengthen themselves, and it's kind of like a polarity of inner and outer growth, but if we can think of it as a both-and proposition right now, that's really valuable because it focuses not only on staying true to where we're striving to, creating some magic out of the obstacles that are presenting themselves long-term, but then also strengthening ourselves on the inside so that when things turn, which they will, we will be ready. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we had a pre-COVID world We have a during COVID world and we're going to have a post COVID world. And I think all three of them may look a little bit different. I mean, than each other, I think about your, your grocery clients, obviously during this period of time, life looks very different than it did prior and will probably look different once this is behind us, which I agree with you. It will one day be, um, if you, you know, I think some people, I was mentioning this to someone earlier this morning, I said, you know, I, as this has elongated, I feel like, you know, I do worry about some people's mental health. I mean, the, the social isolation obviously has been something that none of us are really accustomed to. We're naturally social people. Um, and now uh, we have been told that we need to sort of stay in and um, people appear to be abiding by that. But at the same time, that lack of social isolation, I think, is has been tough on people's mental health. Um, uh, it's a tough question, but um, you know, for people sitting at home that are anxious about this environment and who um, have a hard time seeing that one day the sun will in fact come out, um, do you, what, what's, what are some words of wisdom you could provide um, to help them through this? Well, I can, I guess I can speak to my own personal experience a little bit on this. Um, my daughter is in the States right now. She's living in Denver. We're very close. I was actually supposed to be there for this entire month with her. And, um, and so one thing that I'm finding to cope with that is we've decided to have a ritual of taking a morning walk every morning, which we would have done had we been together in person, but we've decided to not <laughs> defer that. So every morning we meet up at 6.45 a.m. and have an hour walk on the cell phone and a cell phone talk. 
there's a couple things that are beneficial from that. One is that it's giving me a routine. And I think finding some kind of routine amidst the changes of all the routines that were normal for us previous to this is really important. And I can tell you that's important because, you know, there were a couple of days where we just got really busy and we weren't able to do it. And I found myself off my game. I just wasn't as centered as I was when I was on that routine. Um, the other thing is finding opportunities to do, to do more reflection, finding activities perhaps that you haven't had the time to do. And I mean, it's all over social media. People are doing puzzles. Personally, I've, I've cooked more and baked more than I have probably since my daughter left, <laughs> left home to go off to school. Uh, my husband loves it, uh, but I'm loving it. I'm loving the fact that I'm creating new rituals. And in fact, I think part of the joy of this right now is the reflection on what will I bring forward from this? Yes. There are certain things that I'll leave behind, but in fact, there are some things that I'll bring forward that I've found are really hopeful and useful. And for example, we just did a first ever Zoom meeting with my entire um, immediate family on my, uh, on my side of the family. Uh, my nephew's in Amsterdam. <laughs> my niece is in uh, LA. I'm up here in Canada. My brother's in Florida. My other brother's in Chicago. We've never done that before. <laughs> I mean, we talk about having family reunions, but we haven't had a family reunion in, well, since my daughter graduated university five years ago. So, I'm going to bring that forward. It's been so much fun uh, and it's become a ritual now. Every two weeks, we're going to do a family meetup. So I think there's a huge opportunity to create new routines, new rituals that can be very enjoyable despite the changes that we're all facing that can feed our souls and our spirits during this time. Absolutely. And I think people will come out of this with just a sincere appreciation for the things in life that maybe they took for granted prior. You know, you, you take for granted the ability to hop on a plane and fly and see your daughter, which just, you know, you just assume it's going to happen. You're going to appreciate it every oh, time yeah. you go now. I think I, I, I'm oh, an optimist by nature, but I think all of us will have this newfound sense of appreciation just for the little things in life that, that we took for granted as just being widely available. Oh. And just on, uh, you know, to build on that, John, the, I was doing a, um, a team meeting for one of my clients the other day virtually. And so we were having this conversation and one of the team members was saying, wow, I used to be so angry every day when I had to break my schedule to go pick my kids up at school. And now that's right. I can't wait till I get to do that again. So there are certain, you know, I think there are many things that we're reflecting on right now that we've taken for granted you know, it's interesting because you and I were together at a strategic coach workshop the week before things really truly escalated mid-March. And um, the morning before I was presenting that workshop and coaching with you and, and bringing that content to you that day, I was going, what, what, what's going on here? Like, what, what could I say that might be useful? <laughs> and what came to me was, there have been a few times, and many of your listeners may have had this experience before, where your computer just goes into overdrive, it's over-processing, and the only way to solve it is to actually turn it off. In fact, if your laptop does it, you have to actually learn how to take the battery out of your laptop, which is kind of an interesting journey. However, once we shut everything down for a while, we turn the battery off, 
give it a little bit of time, give it a little bit of rest, plug it back in. Magically, it's all working again. It's working again. It's processing well. And I thought this is kind of like a global shutdown. I had no idea to the extent when I thought of this, what it would be. Yeah. But it is, there's a big reset button and there's some opportunity in that. And that's one thing I think is a quality of an entrepreneur is that they understand that within any obstacle, if they can stick with it and keep their mindset positive, they will find something in that obstacle that will be useful in the future, whether it's a new innovation, a new value creation, a new relationship. And I think that's where if all of us can just look at what are the opportunities that can come out of these obstacles, then we can put our energy into that hopefulness for the future. And that keeps us also in our center and in our best selves day to day and able to cope better with the adversities we're facing at home in isolation. Yeah, I've always found it interesting and I don't have the statistic in front of me, but I I believe the case is that a large number of the Fortune 500 companies were actually started during recessions and a good number of them during the Great Depression. Uh, And I think it, it goes to what you're talking about. Is that just that sort of willingness to say, okay, the world's changing a little bit, but I'm gonna stay focused and not uh, buy into the negativity, which is just sort of inundating us on a daily basis and sort of just look for Absolutely. this opportunity to reset, which is, I love the analogy of the computer because I had to do that like an hour ago. So <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> uh, and everything's working great now. So, uh, um, I wanted to talk about your book cause I, 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 I read it when you, uh, I think maybe a year ago, so ago that you uh, furnished us all a copy uh, in a workshop, which I appreciate. I brought it back out and it was really interesting because I felt like a lot of what you discussed in your book, Soul Sense, um, really applied and was useful messaging uh, for for this environment. Um, Could you give everyone sort of the theme and sort of what was your inspiration for that for that book? Uh, My inspiration for the book came out of a 10-year period where uh, in my business, Big Futures, we were focusing on a brand in our business called the Moon Project, which is essentially moonshot, using the analogy of what it took to put someone on the moon to create great things in our lives, whether it's personally or professionally. And what I learned is that, and this goes back to something we spoke of earlier, inner growth, outer growth, is that the aspiration of going to the moon, whatever it is for us, is a very important and noble goal. And we're going to live it moment by moment as we get there. What I observed is that the people who tended to sustain themselves through any kind of aspirational growth were people who went deeper within at the same time that they were stretching further out. And I believed it was really important to create something that really focused on that inner growth. And if you think of, you know, throughout history, when someone says that person has soul, I would, I mean, I grew up as a musician first. So, you know, being a soulful musician is a great, (laughs) great compliment. Uh, When, when you say someone's got soul, it means that they live from the deepest part of who they are, whether it's a, a soulful entrepreneur or a soulful doctor or a soulful musician. So somehow they've been able to go deep and then bring out those gifts out into the world. And my inspiration was to create something that could open a door for people to look inside. And then if 
it worked for them, they could seek out whatever it might be beyond that to start to delve into that. But it becomes a practice of self-leadership to focus on both your most deepest core on the inside, but then also soul sense means sense means you got to bring it out. That's right. So it's not just about doing, it's not just about doing the inner work, but it's about the contribution that you can make with your God-given gifts on the outside. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful book. I, I enjoyed it when I first got it. And uh, it was, it was, it was interesting to pull it out in an environment like this, because I think this environment, like so many, well, it's just a, allowed all of us to take a different perspective on just about everything in, a, in our lives. So I thought it was, it was wonderful to revisit. Um, obviously, we're all forecasting that this will be over uh, eventually. Um, kind of a tough question, but how do you envision, you know, life being when uh, sort of looking and business looking? And I'm not necessarily talking about the vibrancy of the economy, but just what shifts do you think this window is creating in us that, you know, may have a sort of a lasting impact um, when this period of time is behind us? Well, I think that's a loaded question. It's pretty (laughs) up for grabs. (laughs) However, to speculate, uh, I would say that um, there are certain things that uh, we're all experiencing right now that we will want to bring forward. So, there are many businesses, and I've talked to even many of the business owners of businesses that I have the privilege of serving in my business, Big Futures, who really were reticent to create an opportunity for their team members to work from home or work remotely uh, or have remote meetings, any of those kinds of things, which seem to be working pretty well given uh, that we don't have much else. We don't really have any other ways to do it, but <laughs> I think true. that there'll be a little bit more, there'll be more, a little bit more openness to some flexibility in terms of work. And a lot of people are finding that they're incredibly productive. I think that we're going to bring forward a different appreciation for our core values. Mm-hmm. I believe that this time is creating a reflection, a point of inflection for people to go within and decide what their true most important core values are. And I would not be surprised if people bring those out in a more vulnerable and important way in their lives and in their work. And that might even create opportunities for people to say, you know what, I want to make a shift. I want to make a change. I want to be more aligned. Of course, it's going back to soul sense, but I want to be more aligned with what I really care about on a deep level on a day-to-day basis. And hopefully they can make some of those changes in the organizing structure that they're already in. But I think having traveled through this adversity will give people a little bit more courage to make some of those shifts that they've maybe knew even before this that they needed to make anyway, Uh, but it's time. Yeah, absolutely. What do they say? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I think people will have a newfound appreciation for the things that that maybe they didn't realize that they appreciated so much. But also, to your point, I think people will, will reprioritize um, to the most important things in their life. So I think it has presented a wonderful opportunity for families to spend time together. I think that's been great. I mean, I have two young children, so I'm definitely seeing them more. And we're, we're spending a lot of times on bike rides and walks that, you know, I probably would not have done as, as actively, uh, just being honest about 
sort of the normal schedule and, and routine. And maybe that will be something now that I create as part of my normal routine going forward. So I didn't realize how much fun that could yeah. be. Yeah, well, and simple things. I mean, we're all having to turn to some sim simple things and find those simple pleasures. So I think that we will, we will appreciate things in a new way, but we will also bring many of those things forward, which I think is a huge opportunity. And <laughs> well, I thought when you were just sharing them previously, you know, maybe even some of those coworkers that drove you crazy, <laughs> you'll start to appreciate some of their idiosyncrasies. And I think at, you know, in the work environment, there'll be uh, an appreciation for people on a whole new level Yeah, and for each other and uh, a resiliency to stay in our best selves as coworkers. That's right. Yeah, I've had, I've tried to have individual conversations with everybody in the office, um, you know, with a team of nine, that's, you know, that's very doable. Um, and just making sure everybody's okay. And I think, you know, we, we have a newfound, we've always had, always had an appreciation for each other because we have just such a rock star group of people. But I think, you know, we've just become such good friends. And you, you think about how much time you spend in an office and you take that for granted that I can just walk around the corner yeah. and talk whoever I want to talk to whoever I want to. So uh, I think those are the things, you know, as an optimist, I think, and you are as well, um, that we pull from this that, we're, you know, we're, we're seeing very vividly. And it's really only and it's only taken a month for us to, to us to have that perspective, which I think is which is really fascinating. There's not I can't think back uh, to any time in my lifetime, um, I'm 41 years old. I, I can't think back to any time, you know, obviously 9-11 and there are various situations that have happened have changed our perspective immediately. This one has a particularly unique way, I think, that it's impacted all of us uh, psychologically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one question I did yeah. have for you. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say what, what I thought of when you were saying that, John, was one of my one of my mentors that I never had a chance to meet, I just loved his writing so much, a guy named Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. Um, if you haven't read the book, um, I would invite the listeners. It's a great, it's one of the great yeah. <laughs> books of our time. Uh, and he wrote the book after he survived Auschwitz, which is, you know, something that none of us, even this, have not had come close to that experience. That's true. But there is a very powerful quote in that book that I think, certainly for me, I go back to regularly lately, and that is that it is the human's greatest freedom to choose their attitude towards any circumstance. And the fact that it came out of that time in history, and we're now experiencing another time in history, I think that we can pattern around that a bit. And part of that is focusing on what uh, we can control, which is first our mindset and our attitude towards things. No one can take that away from us. You know, all this change is not changing how we think about something. We get to choose that. Uh, and so reminding ourselves, oh, we get to look at how we decide, choose to focus on certain kinds of things and bring that forward. It's going to be important. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wonderful point. I thought it would be interesting too to get your perspective. Um, you're a you're a dual citizen of Canada and the United States, and uh, I can assure you, anything you say is probably going to offend someone politically. We have clients that are on both ends of the spectrum, probably falling off either edge. So, um, I, I would be curious, though, just to get your insights. Uh, you're in Canada currently, correct? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, um, what are, what are your impressions? I, I was seeing some of the data out of Canada earlier and obviously the numbers are not quite as massive as they are here in the States. Um, what, what are some of your impressions? You know, I know you, you, you follow, um, uh, both countries and leadership and politics and in, in both areas, uh, very closely. Uh, what are your initial impressions on, sort of the differences and how they're dealing with this or might deal with this coming out of it? Well, you know, one thing that's really important is the friendship between these two countries and maintaining that, which is very, very important. We do have some co-relying on each other and it's important that we stay true to that. of course, I'm looking forward to the next opportunity that I can go over the border so that we can be a family together again. Uh, so the opening of borders and those kinds of things are, are going to be important. I would say just as a persona, this won't be shocking to a lot of listeners who understand both sides. Um, you know, Canada tends to be a little bit slower and not slow, but they will be a little bit more resolved in terms of how they see the opening up of the various different things uh, where in the States you can already see a lot of protests happening. You know, we want things to open up as quickly as possible. Uh, so I think there might be a little bit of a dynamic difference there. Uh, however, I think the most important insight will be, you know, to make sure that no matter what we maintain our North American stronghold and, and keep our, our borders open and the essential services and goods and services that go back and forth, that those can continue to go back and forth. Yeah, I, I think here in the States, what we're seeing, it, it's either regional or it may be state specific, but it's as if we are ha- dealing with 50 different countries, all with sort of different mindsets on how this will be dealt with. The governors, it appears, uh, in each of the states is, has the ability in our system to sort of make the rules, so to speak. Um, and each state is sort of dealing with it. Some are real quick to adopt protective measures and others will be really quick to want to open up. Um, I think that uh, I'm hopeful is peaceful. Uh, the protests appear to have been so far. And, and I see both sides of it because I know the data tells us that a really poor economy, a severe recession can have lots of mortality risk in itself, um, that there are reasons exactly. to believe that an economy, you know, it is part of us having access to health care and people gainfully employed. So it, it, there's, there's no one is going to know the right answer until we look back on that. I just thought it would be sort of interesting to get your perspective. And I thought that not surprising that Canada would be potentially a little more careful on the opening up, um, whereas I think you'll see glimpses of that in various states uh, here. Uh, some may, you know, be sort of stacked up identically with how Canada deals with it, where I'm seeing some other states are being pretty aggressive with how they're doing uh, this reopening. I I did want to ask, and I really appreciate your time today. I think this has been really useful uh, for for me, uh, selfishly, but also just, uh, you know, I always love hearing your your messaging. And um, I come back from strategic coach sort of, you know, re-inspired i told uh, my wife i said it's a little bit like going to get a b12 shot uh once a quarter that that tends to last about 90 days before i go get go back to get my next one so um it was really wonderful having you today before we sign off um and you alluded to this earlier but is there uh, i could talk to you for hours but if there is there one piece of wisdom 
piece of advice, um, insight um, that you would like to share sort of with our audience or action step, whatever that might be, um, that you feel like, you know, everybody, entrepreneur, non-entrepreneur, retired individual, I mentioned to you, we have an 80 year age range of clients. So um, it's, uh, we've got a, a vast group that we speak to an audience, but, uh, uh, and I may be doubling up on something I asked you earlier, but is there something that comes to mind you'd like to share? Uh, a few things. One is, um, and it's something I talked about a little bit in my book, Soul Sense, and that is that, you know, for us to remember that no state of being is permanent. When you're in it, it feels like it could be, but no, absolutely in the course of my life, uh, no state of being has been permanent and I've had my ups and downs and all around, but um, that's a, a helpful mantra for me right now. Uh, another mantra for me right now is, it's just a little thing I thought of, um, it's adapt, survive, thrive. Those three words I just keep centering on, you know, I need to adapt to things that are different and just, you know, keep my resiliency to adapt, survive what I can and, you know, just innovate or do whatever I can do to survive and then thrive. And quite frankly, I thought it might be a progression when I came up with the idea, but I kind of have each of those every day, yeah. <laughs> quite frankly, you know, I'm surviving, I'm adapting and I'm thriving every day. And uh, keeping those things in mind, you know, I think could be very, very helpful. And look after yourself. You know, we need to, uh, many of us are in leadership roles or in our families. We're leading in our families. We're leading our lives. And if we don't look after ourselves right now, uh, long term, we're not going to be as effective in helping others. So wherever you're called to serve right now, make sure that you spend some time looking after yourself eating well, sleeping well, taking your vitamins, all those good things, good reflective times so that you can be resilient through these times. Yeah, I think this new world where we're all working from home and fortunately I work in an industry where I have the ability to work from home, you do as well. We can pick up the phone, we can email, we can Zoom as, as we're doing right now for, to, to record this podcast. But in that void of learning and, and trying to adapt, I think, taking care of yourself is is so important and it would be so easy uh, to to not do that particularly if you were someone that was so accustomed to a routine like going to the gym or shopping or you yeah. know whatever it might be that uh, grocery shopping it, it, all of that's become more challenged uh, now and it requires a, a, a greater commitment than than people really needed to before if they fell into that routine well, yeah, and everything seems to be taking more energy, too, even though it might be simple. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, making sure that we are looking after ourselves in whatever way that we need to is, is really helpful so that we can support others along the way. Yeah. Well, I just can't thank you enough for, for joining me today. It was wonderful uh, insights from you, and I appreciate your cooperation because I know you're busy as ever uh, in the middle of this. and I know your, your business clients are... Um, probably needing you more than ever in this, in this new world and looking for leadership from you. So I just can't thank you enough for your time. Yes. Oh, thank you, John. And, and uh, all the best and all the best to all of your listeners too. Take care. Thank you.